Hey Swifters, I'm Simon Schofield and here, finally, at long last, is The Zwiftcast, episode 60. I know, I know, it's been a long time. There are reasons, and we'll attend to that in a moment or two. But first of all, let's say hello to les autres Zwiftcaster, Monsieur Nathan Guerra. Yo, dude, I don't know why I went all French there. How's it going? Don't try and make me speak French. Don't, don't even... <laughs> no, I've heard your French pronunciation on racing. Oh, God. Uh, less said the better, I think, Nathan. Um, as we'll hear later, actually, though, you've got on mainstream media's radar with the whole Kiss Super League thing. Um, I'm, I assume you've been uh, fending off the offers with a sharp stick all week, Nathan. Reading a couple of them, but trying to, I don't know, at the same time, not pay attention to all of it. So just keep your head down and do a good job. Yeah, well, you know, you don't want to read your own notices. Now you're famous. Uh, g'day, mate. Shane Miller. Has anybody threatened to shut you down, sue you, or patent you this week, Shane? Uh, no, not this not this week, actually. Uh, yeah, Pella who? No, n- never heard of them. Look, uh, yeah, aside from uh, telling trademark lawyers of multi-billion dollar corporations where to place their cease and desist threats and also winning at that, <laughs> uh, yeah, no, things are great. I've got a new bike. It's summer. I've been riding lots. We've had the Tour Down Under, Cadell's Ocean Race or Great Ocean Road Race. The Herald Sun Tour is now on, so pro racing is everywhere. It's bikes, bikes, bikes. And did I mention it's also summer here? So, yep, sunscreen in the eyes and... Uh, Good times, good times. Nice, 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 nice. Um, uh, but let, let's just briefly discuss the Peloton thing. Um, I mean, they caved, like, really fast on a, a, a clearly, clearly ridiculous footing. Uh, they started off that I think you were destroying or damaging their brand, which <laughs> if anybody wants to see um, uh, a, a, a bit of a takedown of the Peloton brand, I suggest they had Twitter. Did you see those memes that that, that guy put up about... Uh, taking the Michael out of Peloton's um, advertising policy, very, very, very funny indeed. But back to the back to the point. What, what, what was their case against you, Shane? And this was based around your new magazine show, The Daily Peloton News, I think. Yeah, the digital Peloton. I called this. The, I wanted to put together a small news show, just in the mix of everything else that I do online and um, in my, the mix of content that I make. Just a, a you know, short little wrap up, a short little snippet news segment of everything that's happening that I find interesting, and hopefully other people find interesting as well. Everything's going well, but yeah, after episode ten, I got a cease and desist from some highly paid New York lawyers representing the four billion dollar valued Peloton company, saying I was using their name to cease and desist straight away, or else they'll be forced to exercise their right of trademarks and all that. Um, I was a bit taken aback with that and I pretty much told them to go jump in my most Australian way I could. Um, I told them not to do this. I'm the underdog. I will use the internet as the only tool that I have. I obviously don't have the funding they do behind me um, and the support of the internet won. So they backed down and after I clarified, I wasn't even talking about their product or using their product. Um, Yeah, they said their client has now reviewed this and uh, the case has now been resolved or something. Not that there was a case anyway. They they caved in quick. you know. And you would have thought these people would have learned the lessons because people trying to kind of copyright or trademark or patent these generic cycling terms. I mean, uh, Specialized got into terrible trouble with it with, with Roubaix, didn't they, a while back? And It's a small community and a very passionate, very, very passionate community. And it was really reassuring to know that everybody had my back and I mean everybody. So, yep, happy days. Um, I continue doing what I'm doing. I didn't miss a beat. I was uploading videos and I was uploading more episodes of the Digital Peloton News. Um, 
no skin off my nose. Um, it just makes them look bad. And indeed, more skin on your nose, I would have said, because, of course, it got you lots and lots of attention. Um, and that's always good when, you know, when you're trying to promote something. Okay. Um, well, it's a slightly different format, this episode. Normally, we've got a few features. And I, I have got one or two little ones. But it's a little bit different, this episode. Um, for, for the next however long, and it could be quite a long time, actually, given all the action in, in Zwiftland, you're stuck with mainly just us banging on. Uh, one of the reasons is that there's a lot, and I mean a lot, for us to talk about. Racing, world switching, money, a lot of that, an awful lot of that. Pig Zwift, the president of Wahoo's eyebrows, and uh, much, much, much more. Um, the other reason for a bit of a format change, and let's just get this out of the way, is uh, the whole my bad knee thing. Um I do have bad knee, honestly, uh, I did, uh, but it's almost fixed now. But I've also got something else, which I've been calling my bad knee. Um, it's a health issue. It's not trivial, uh, but neither is it funereal. It needs some treatment, which I'm getting. And everything's going to be fine. Everything is going to be fine and dandy, but it is going to take a little time. And entering the confessional here, my eye for the past few weeks has been, if I'm completely honest, just a little bit off the ball. Um, the word I used on the Zwiftcast listeners Facebook group when I explained myself to describe this was I've, I've been discombobulated, which is a completely marvellous word. Uh, and I have, actually. I have been a bit discombobulated because this, this thing... Uh, has required quite a lot of mental energy to deal with, and there have been one or two curveballs along the way, uh, as uh, happens with these kind of things. Anyway, I have been a bit distracted, and worst of all, I still can't ride a bike, and we all know what that does to a man. Anyway, it's all good. The main batch of treatments is scheduled for soon. Uh, it's not been on like a Zwift soon, actually, the, the British NHS soon. Um, it's kind of an unspecified date in the near future, but it definitely... Definitely, definitely, definitely is coming. And that, dear listener, is probably all I'm going to say about this for now. I think I probably did owe you an explanation for the relative lack of Zwift castery, but I'm not really minded to share all the gory details of my health. I might do one day, actually, because I have learned a lot about this condition. It's quite a common one. Uh, and it could actually do some good to, to spread that, but I'm, I'm not quite ready to do that yet. However, I'd just like to finish this little... Um, what is it? Confession? Homily? I don't know. Anyway, whatever it was. I'd just like to finish this by saying uh, a real bottom of my heart thank you. It's all those people who responded with real kindness and generosity on the Zwiftcast listeners group when I talked about this thing. Okay, right. On with the show. Uh, peak Zwift, fellas. It came on a January Tuesday, around two weeks into 2019, and it was a little over 13,000 concurrent Zwifters, which just goes to show you should never change horse midstream. My, my initial guess was 13,500, as against Shane's just a shade over 11,000 and Nathan's 15,000. Um, I later exercised host prerogative and upgraded my, upgraded my guests to 15,000, and that came after I'd spent some time with um, uh, Swift CEO Eric Min for the begin few I do with him every year. And I kind of got swept along a bit by his relentless passion and enthusiasm. I, I'm not the first to be in that position, I'll tell you. Anyway, a shade over 13,000. Nathan, they're going to be happy with that, I think. It's up from around 9,000, I think, last year. So in round figures, very round figures, it's about a 50% increase. I mean, any business has got to be happy with that, haven't they? Well... 
I mean, you used the word, I mean, from a business numbers perspective, but you also were just talking about passion and enthusiasm. I think there might've been like bigger numbers than 15,000, like as far as the hopes go, I don't know. Yeah. I think they'll be happy with it, but at the same time, you know, you get these, uh, shoot for the stars a little bit and at least they, you know, they did hit a solid number though. 50% increase. I mean, that's looks really good on paper. And then again, I made a prediction of 15,000 that it didn't happen and I'm still holding out from something happening in February maybe, but most likely it looks like uh, your first prediction was more spot on. You you sound, actually, you sound disappointed by that. I think you're trying to sound upbeat, but you sound a bit disappointed. You, you genuinely think it, it should have gone higher by the sounds of things. Well, I guess I just maybe don't have a good gauge on how much of the cycling world is captured, or I do, and I'm disappointed that it's not capturing more. And so I feel like some of the language and some of the talk around how much of the acquisition that could take place of those users that aren't on, that are cyclists, that would just use the platform, we're not talking about general fitness or anything, but just strictly like enthusiasts that would use Zwift, that there's a larger number of them and and the hopes were reaching them in a stronger way to pull them in. There might be friction issues there, though. I think that's a big one um, uh, across the board on that. Yeah, and we're going to talk a little bit about friction later because it's, it's, you, you, you yourself have hit a bit of friction, Nathan. And I want to try and get to the bottom of that, really, because we are, we are seeing a bit of that. Anyway, Shane, uh, you lowballed it, fella. You lowballed it. <laughs> yeah, 13,000 Zwifters. That's kapow. Look, that's 13,000 fifths bumps that I'll have to give to everybody who was riding during that record-breaking run or ride. Um, yeah, I still don't think we've won the hearts and minds of everyone who would enjoy a Zwift experience. And uh, as you guys just discussed there, I think there's a few blockers still in place. Um, but as more and more trainers get released and become a little cheaper, we'll get people sort of moving on their first trainer they bought onto their second and third trainer. I think we'll see those numbers steadily increase. Um, yeah, just a mat 13th. I wasn't on during that time though. You imagine if that was on say the New York course or something like that, the starting gate must've been massive or the, the lineup of there always be a wheel to jump on or 200 and you know, 30,000 people more to jump on very soon. So that's nah, going to be good. I think any business must be happy with, with, with numbers showing 50% higher than the same time last year. You know, I mean, that, that that's growth by any definition. Um, I sensed, and I didn't have many conversations with with Swift HQ. I, I sensed a very, very, very mild disappointment, and that was only from a couple of people. And even even I may be misreading that. You know, fifty percent is good growth. Uh, I mean, Eric, when he's been going around the place uh, soliciting money from venture capitalist type people, and we're going to get onto that later in the episode, has been quoting a figure of forty million cyclists as the as the potential market. Uh, and I think that's just hardcore cyclists rather than than um, fitness cyclists. So you know, there's still a lot to go at. And and I think a point worth making. And <laughs> I'm probably going to get letters, as they used to say about this. I'm probably going to get letters about this. But a bit of a hostage to fortune. Um, some people do sometimes experience some glitches, but we haven't seen the big server crashes uh, that we saw this time last year. I mean, I don't recall any single big outage that kind of ended up lighting one of those fires in in Zwift Riders. And that kind of justifies the resources they've devoted to making the platform stable, um, possibly at the expense of faster development, who knows, Um, even though they are completely separate teams. But pass on the back to the server team down in Rio 
de Janeiro, I think, Shane. Um, the boy's done good down there. Yeah, for sure. I think Peter Allen wrote a song about this, didn't he? Uh, look, when my baby's whiffs with me, my data packets go to Rio or up to the AWS <laughs> cloud or something like that. Look, it looks like they're doing a good job. We haven't seen the uh, the infamous Yenzi effect, which we all know, the uh, the old hat of us Zwifters, which when uh, Jens Voigt led a group ride a while back, I think there was only a few hundred and things fell over. Mm-hmm. But if we're seeing 13,000 and uh, everything's relatively stable, happy days. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'm credit where it's you. I mean, Nathan, we don't see this. And, and we don't even think about it uh, unless or until it happens, which happily it hasn't done. But this this kind of investment, I mean, it's just boring. It's plumbing, isn't it, really? It's, you know, it's digital plumbing. It's, it's wildly boring, but it's incredibly essential. All the games have to do it because reliability or stability, call it what you will, it is just madly important. If you provide a service, it's got to be there when people want it, especially under pressure like these big mass participation events. So... We don't think about it, but it's important and and, and good to see that that, that obviously a lot of work has been done in that area. Yeah, Shane brought up a good point. I mean, the events are massive now with the Tour de Zwift and some of these, I mean, some of these benefit events and stuff. We're talking over a thousand people in some of them that used to crash on 300. So, I mean, obviously, huge advances there. Um, And the idea, we've talked in this on the Zwiftcast before, but I can't stress it enough. You log into PUBG, it fails. You wait a half hour and go do something else because it's just entertainment. You run it, you log into, you know, as a video game or whatever game you might be playing, you log into Zwift and you don't get your workout in. Now it's a reflection on myself and whether or not I did something that's part of the stewardship of my health and my life. This better be working has a higher value to the user and whether or not they're going to stick around or just go use something else. So the server team, I think, is more crucial than because of that self-reflection on just working out and the human experience with using this product too. Um, and, and these big events, I mean, they must put pressure on it. And, you know, I'm sure people are going to leap onto Facebook and, and maybe the listeners group and upbraid me because I know there have been one or two little glitches on the big events. But these big events, again, this this winter have been wildly successful, um, incredibly popular and very motivational for participants. I mean, some of the more difficult ones that have had things like the Alp de Zwift in have had completion rates of 90% or more, which is um, uh, some achievement, both to Zwift for putting them on and running them largely successfully and and for the people taking part. So uh, trebles all round, as they used to say. Uh, Good work by everybody on that. Right on! All right, let's talk about something different but kind of related, world choice. We have it at last, or a version of it. The most recent update gave us something that lots and lots and lots of Zwifters have been requesting for ever. Uh, world choice, I speak of, of course. For only being fully rolled out a few days, as we record just now, but it looks certainly well received. Um, less in the chat around it and more just judging on the way and, and the rate at which people are using it. Um, just as a reminder for the one person in the world who doesn't know how it works, uh, Watopia is available the whole time. The guest world selected by Zwift HQ is on rotation. Um, I dipped in when the guest world was London and numbers weren't evenly split, but actually it wasn't that far off. Although I think that may have been related to the fact that there was an event on. Um, 
uh, Wotopia was a little more popular, unsurprisingly, but there was a real large number of riders who'd chosen London, several thousand. That could have been event-related. And Before we go on to discuss this, there's a lot of us this week, so I thought we could just have a tiny break from us. Um, let's get a view from Eric Schlanger, editor of Zwift Insider and one of the leading proponents of um, the successful community campaign for World Choice. Here's Eric. Guest World has launched, and I think the community overall is very happy with the change. It's pretty hard to find anything negative to say about it, really. We went from having one world available to always having Watopia plus another world just a click away. That's a big upgrade. I'm curious how this will change our opinions of smaller courses like New York and Richmond. My guess is they'll be much more pleasant to free ride with fewer riders on course. Personally, I love that John Mayfield made sure we can still world hack into whatever map we choose. Zwift is smart to keep letting the community push the envelope just a little bit, since this helps drive innovation and lets us take some ownership in the development of the platform. Shane, interesting as Eric notes, HQ has left in place the old, uh, the old school prefs hack, so that if if you're savvy and you're not on an iOS device, then any world is is still available to you using the uh, the hackerage. Good move, and and are you happy with the with the main implementation of this this feature? Yeah, look, having uh, the back end ability to change the prefs to select any world is handy if you're running a Zwift event yourself independently and you want to run or you know, ride on any world. That that's pretty cool to be there to give people the option if they really want to dig away at it. Um, but for the guest world, it's there's still no Jarvis Island option, so I feel kind of left <laughs> out there. But look, it has been received very well. People are liking it. Um, I think people are a big fan of Watopia. I've logged on a few times over the um, over the last week after the iOS version has been rolled out as well and the Apple TV version, and I'm seeing about 10% usage of the guest world and about 90% right. people on Watopia. Again, what you were seeing before was probably one of the uh, Tour de Zwift's uh, events and other things that are scheduled on any world. Um, but yeah, I, I think the number is going to hover around 10%. I'll have more data next Zwiftcast. I'll report back on that. Well, that's a good number, actually. Uh, you probably looked at it more often than I have, and 10%, that, that, that's interesting. Do you think that will hold? Do you, I mean, do you think that'll be steady? Do you think there's a lack of awareness that people can actually do this thing now or, or what? It's been pretty steady the whole week, yeah. So I think that might be it. Um, but as people skill up with Zwift, as we've seen with you know, learning smart trainers and learning where to click and then learning workout mode and erg mode, people skill up, they'll, they'll start clicking around and finding other options. It may grow a little. Um, yeah, I'll, I'm just going to keep a close eye on that number. But from what I've seen, around about 10% guest world usage. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, you know, Watopia is always, always, always going to to win any uh, one-on-one popularity contest. Um, no doubt about that. It'd be interesting to see how poor Richmond fares. Um, it's got very few fans, <laughs> but, but, but I'm one of them. Um, Nathan, I must say my kind of relative lack of, of, of riding stuff, it's left me just a little bit confused about some of the nuances of, of, of the guest world. You, can you combine these two relatively new features we've got, world choice and private meetups? Could you, they be combined to effectively stage your own events? Um, have you seen people doing this, like putting on their own events or or even races? Yeah, I've seen people in the community talking about it, and you can schedule, you can schedule your own private meetups in order to create your own events and go on and race there's a little bit of underground going on with that whether or not it coincides with world choice 
is a really good question that I do not know the answer no, to, actually. But Shane, I believe Shane, it should work that way. Shane, yeah, Shane, can could you, you help? Could you get your Australian head around that? Well, that, that scenario that I described, which approximately 0.5% of the population would be interested in actually doing, but could it actually work? For the private meetups on any world or private meetups on the guest world or Watopia? Which one? Private meet. So, say you had a private meetup on the guest world. So, say you wanted to stage a race on a relatively uncrowded course for a bunch of mates. Could you do a private meetup in the guest world? I'd hope so. I'd, I'd assume yeah. this is only an assumption because I haven't actually tested. I'd assume you'd be able to pick Watopia anytime and the scheduled guest world. Um, that's what I'll go with. Um, if anybody knows, though, jump over to the Zwiftcast listeners right group now. and let us know. Oh, there we go. Nathan, if you could jump over to the Zwiftcast um, listeners group and let us know. It's <laughs> <laughs> a live so, Zwift experiment you're doing now. Nathan. Well, I just went in to create a meetup, and what I don't have the game open, so maybe that's why it's not mm. showing. So that's not a full test, I guess. Mm. If it changes if I open up the game and I'm connected to the same space. But I'm going to create a meetup right now, which if you're doing it from away from home, it should work where it does whatever the options ought to be, right? Because yeah. that's the idea of creating a meetup, not being sitting in front of my computer. Yeah. So, yeah. And all I have where it says, where do you want to go? are Watopia places right uh, okay. now. So maybe All I have in front of me. Oh, anyway, we I, haven't I, seen I, a client I, update I, yet though. So we may, we, a lot of the time when there's a big feature update for Zwift on the client side for your Apple TV Ooh. or your PC, we haven't seen a Zwift um, companion app update just yet. Hmm. No. And I, I wonder. That might be on I me wonder. too actually. Yeah, so I think, I think one of those is too. God, we are deep in a rabbit hole here, aren't we? We're really deep in a rabbit <laughs> hole. Uh, let's surface for air. Nathan, uh, are you happy with with the World Choice implementation, the way it looks, where it works? Oh, I'm going to swallow my pride. I really like it, actually. <laughs> I did not think I was going to like it, and I wanted all the worlds. And then I saw something in the UI. That I that I was like, there's a user interface there that shows me that there's two separate worlds, gives me a simple choice. I can see how many users are there, how many users are on the other place. And I think it was a smart move to whatever, that that, that events are at other places, I think also boosts, because I just won't ride London. I've got to be honest. I just have not a whole lot of interest in riding London, sorry. Um, all of those I love overseas, but it's just not that very uh, compelling to me. And so I saw that there was matched at one time when I logged in and it made me maybe want to ride London and then I rode Watopia flat. But I mean, it, um, yeah, I, I, I like it definitely. The, uh, the other thing about it with um, the hack being still in place, I think that's a, a good thing that the takeaway, a thing that the users have been using for a really, mm. really long time. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's a well-rolled out feature so far. Definitely. Yeah. I think now the popularity of Watopia, it, yeah. <laughs> there are no other fantasy world. There are no other worlds that are like not real places. And I think the reality of people wanting to go and have you ride Zwift and it's just Zwifting almost kind of no matter where you go unless you make something different than the real world. I don't know if that makes sense, but I think that's the poll. And if they, I wonder if they would be more competitive with Watopia if there was another world that was not a real place. 
that's interesting. I, yeah, that's a really interesting thought, actually. Yeah, it's always Watopia versus the world, isn't it? And maybe if it was Watopia versus um, something else for the name I can't think of, Pedal Mania or somewhere. <laughs> but I know what you mean. I know what you mean. Yeah, interesting point. Well, we didn't get the airport that that John Mayfield mused on in his blog post talking about world choice, but I suspect that may have been sacrificed to the gods of expediency. Maybe it'll appear in the future. Right, let's do a quick jog round the bay on what's new in tech. And I want to start with you, my friend Nathan. Um, you messaged me in the closest you ever get to a rage, and I have to say that's hardly ragey at all. You're just not a raging kind of a guy. Um, but you'd had a series of kind of race spoiling dropouts. I mean. If there was one person in the whole of the Zwift universe who you would think, well, maybe two, and they're both here, um, would not suffer from from dropouts, it would it would be, be you and you and Shane. Um, what I mean, what what's happening? Are you getting more than usual? Is it a trend? I'm going to ask you that question that is inevitable, and I'm sure Shane will have a view on this. Are you sure it's not your setup? I mean. Tell us a story, first of all. Are you getting more than you've had? Well, I have a response to... Because, okay, I live stream my races on my personal channel. And I that comes through right away is everybody wants to doctor my setup. I get immediately everyone's telling me what my problems might be. And I'm just like, (laughs) do you see my beta wheel setup? Do you even see the bike I'm riding? No, anyway. So, I mean, um, I uh, definitely was in... I was in the middle of a kiss 100 race. You know, it's a hundred kilometer race. I've made a major investment at this point of my time, not just time, but energy is like being expended. Then you're, I don't know. There's that's a lot on the line in my own little ego or whatever. But so yeah, I've been getting more dropouts. I think uh, maybe because of the trainer that I'm on, perhaps whatever it might be. Um, I've noticed that if I connect over Bluetooth in the room, it's, it's better that day. I couldn't connect to Bluetooth quickly for some reason, my phone wasn't charged or something. And so I was going over ANT plus still, it, it should be consistent. And regardless of anyone's issue though, I, I, I'm, cause immediately everyone starts talking about my little room and my little, but then I'm like, why is this happening on the bigger picture though? Why would this experience happen every time? And I, when I said this to you in the message, every race that I broadcast, someone says, I just had a dropout. Right. And so that's just the person saying it. How many actually happen during the race? How many races go on? How many events go on every single day? And I'm not pointing at Zwift. I, in my Strava post, I, I did a Strava thing publicly saying trainer companies, how about we sell a million trainers? that just plug in, just bypass all the ridiculous issues that are in the way. This shouldn't even be a question anymore. Wireless is not reliable when it comes to continual data transfer nonstop that needs to happen with the the experience with Zwift. And it was just really frustrating that four years down the road at this point, with how many people are experiencing the most frustrating of things. It's the most frustrating thing in the world when it comes to Zwift to have a dropout. So... I mean, it's a reasonable point, Shane, isn't it? And I mean, you know, I've long said, why do we not have a cable? We've got a mains cable for them. Let's just have an, a, a Cat5 cable that we can plug in, you know, and we've got copper and there's never going to be a dropout. But we haven't at this point, And there's probably no very little sign that we, we ever will. Uh, and, and, and Nathan made a really great point there, you know, that, that 
that wireless is not not the right medium for the, for the continuous transmission of this kind of data. Uh, I don't know if I've just made a nonsensical statement there because this is not my field of expertise, uh, which makes the next thing I'm going to say perhaps even more of uh, uh, open to criticism. But I've also read that that the, the Ant Plus ANT Plus is 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 a terrible protocol for doing what we are asking it to do, which is continuously transmit reliable, frequently updated data. Um, uh, am I right or am I wrong? I mean, you know, uh, uh, should we just rip it up and start again with a different protocol? It would be nice to start with something brand new, given our environments are becoming more and more complex. Uh, the technology itself for how it's being used in isolation works fine. I think one of the reasons why trainer companies are reluctant to put a wire into the back of the trainer is because the entire universe is going wireless of everything these days. Even our iPhones don't have a wireless, yeah. you know, we charge them wirelessly now. So everything's going wireless. And there's actually no issue with the trainer themselves. 99.99999 recurring percent of the time, the trainer's fine. It's the environment they're put in. However, having said that, the environments that we're putting these trainers in are becoming more and more complex. Now our air conditioners have Wi-Fi. Now our doorbells have Wi-Fi. Now everything is interconnected and things are getting noisier and noisier um, in the range that uh, Ant Plus and Bluetooth works on. So, hmm. Maybe not the responsibility of the trainer manufacturers for the hardware themselves. You know, it, it's, again, it's not a problem for the trainers; it's the environment. But they do need to start working around these busy environments. So, hmm. Neither is it Zwift's fault, really, because you know, if you're Zwift, you're going to say, "Well, you know, what, what what's the protocol that, that everybody's got and is out there and and is being built into the machines by the trainer manufacturers?" Well, obviously, that's the one we're going to use. I mean, it's use. kind of an insoluble problem or a problem that's not going to be solved quickly. I mean, is Bluetooth chain fundamentally more reliable than the ANC? Not really. Um, there's no big advantage of a Bluetooth that I'm aware of, not Bluetooth Smart or Bluetooth LE or Bluetooth whatever they want to call it. There's a few different things. Um, it's pretty much one for one. Um, some people have reported a little bit faster response time out of their trainers using Bluetooth, but then you've got the issue of Bluetooth needs to be in advertisement mode. If something's connected to it, it will disappear and you won't see it which is a good thing in some environments, a bad thing in another. So it can be a little more complex. The thing with Bluetooth is it's everywhere. We can connect to our phones and hopefully soon we've seen moves from Zwift to have direct Bluetooth connections to uh, Windows 10, which is yeah. really, really handy. So maybe the ant stick will go away soon. Maybe. Um, mm, it's, a, it's a problem that we're seeing. I don't think we've seen any more than usual, to be honest, but it is peak trainer season. So there's going to be more and more people online on the forums, having problems and connecting things up. So, yeah, and that, it's. I, mm. I mean, I know there's no universal explanation, and every every set of circumstances is individual that that, that, that leads to problems. But it's always the user setup, isn't it? Always. No, a lot of the time, but the user doesn't want to hear that because if no. it, it, they just want a trainer that works, they want to pull things out of the box. Dare I say the Peloton experience of getting one solution from one company, pulling it out of the box and just turning the thing on and having it work. And if it doesn't work, have one company to refer to, one customer support line to call that will take you and own the customer relationship from start to finish. Unfortunately, we're still at a place with Zwift and this may be impacting those 13,000 concurrent, not being 30,000 concurrent is that 
if something goes wrong, do you call Wahoo? Do you call Tax? Do you call your bike store? Do you call Shimano? Maybe Giant? Or do I call Zwift or LG, my tele, you know, my screen manufacturer? There's so or many things. Shane Miller, which a lot of people do. Yeah, jump jump over to my YouTube channel. It's all there. Yep, yep. Good plug. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I didn't I didn't notice the tick box that said I am a fully qualified network engineer. You know, when you sign up for Swift, um, and, and I'm not pointing the finger. Not I'm not pointing the finger at Swift here. It's it's an industry wide problem. It's an industry wide problem. Shane, you were going to say. Yeah, look, it, because nobody's responsible. So my air conditioner here is owned by Mitsubishi and my television is LG and my Apple TV is Apple and my pedals are from PowerTap or Favero and my heart rate strap is from Wahoo. There's so many companies involved and that's the problem. Nobody's responsible for anybody else. They're sort of competing for the wireless space. They should all work in harmony. But who are you going to call? Not Ghostbusters when it goes wrong. Um, <laughs> and this is why I, I will again plug YouTube. But even if not my resource, there's many, many other resources out there. You just need to go and look for people and just type the research, like having problems with dropouts or heart rate problems or, I mean, not medical issues, keep off the internet for those. But, you know, device issues, there's a lot of people having um, – yeah, the same issues as you have, have solved them um, and are using online resources to fix that. But you're right, you're, you're not a qualified network engineer to, to do this and you shouldn't need to be. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I wonder whether, you know, Zwift ought to have some more kind of practical help on their website in the form of, of videos. Or, oh, you know, those decision trees, those brilliant decision trees where they ask a series of questions and the answer is always you need a new bike. <laughs> you know, they, ought to, they ought to have one of those with, with, with like a video form. You know, <laughs> there we go. <laughs> can I can I interject here? Can I interject here real quick? Why should I have to monitor the environment of my trainer room as to what wireless signals are going on in this room in order to use Zwift? That's absolutely ridiculous. I'm sorry, but but for like, why can't I use every device in my room that I want to use? Like, huh? And then I have to then I then then well, okay, but then I have to start unplugging things and who's going to do that? Only the person who's very motivated to use this platform. I totally agree with that. But as Shane said, that that's not the way the world is going. All right, let's move on and talk about something equally important, which is Chip Hawkins' eyebrows. Um, the president, <laughs> <laughs> the president, of, I know it is related to this, the president of Wahoo guested on uh, Shane's mate's site, uh, one DC Raymaker, actually, to give a very detailed account of the extent of the problems affecting the newest kicker and, and core, actually, and how the company's dealing with it. Um, <laughs> absolutely the best thing about it was the eyebrow action, I have to tell you. Go and take a look. I mean, Chip's eyebrows ought to be in the Olympics. They, <laughs> uh, they were just... Uh, go look. Very, very funny. Anyway, eyebrows aside, it was a very full account, uh, very, very transparent, and very laudable, I thought. Um, but, but here's the thing, Shane. This was the one thing that struck me. It was all in Raymaker's editorial control. Uh, I mean, br brilliant that a trainer company comes on and says, yeah, we've got a problem. Uh, we know about it. This is what it is. And demonstrations of, you know, literally hands on of, 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 of what the problem was and how, how it would be fixed. Fantastic stuff. But I do wonder whether that might have been more credible if it wasn't on a corporate Wahoo channel rather than, you know, guesting on Raymaker. But, but there again, if it's corporate, you know, in in this in this kind of questioning world that we live in now, people tend not to question corporates, to, to trust the corporates. So maybe, maybe it was a good thing to do. What, what do you think? What, what, I mean, what's your verdict on the, on their tactics and how they played this one? 
Yeah, look, I think Wahoo chose to respond where the people were responding to the issues, which is on a tech review and expert site such as Race. Um, the numbers that they were stating are quite low. And yeah, I know it seems the sky's falling for everyone in the forums with the Kicker 18 and the Kicker Core. But if they were to put out a blanket company statement um, on their website, it'll reach 100% of people, whereas the numbers they're stating is probably less than 5% of people who have actually encountered this problem. So it kind of addresses straight to the people who were experiencing the issues. And uh, look, the last thing you want to do is tell the other 97 to 98% of people there are issues and have them start reporting false positives or lose confidence in something they don't really need to lose confidence in. So I think they chose the right way to do that. Wahoo themselves are always very, very approachable. Um, and yeah, the, the team are always, you know, they stand behind their products. And that was a really good video with the guys behind or the team behind the products talking about the issues, full transparency and what they're doing. And I think the most important thing there is when things go wrong, what next? Not because they've gone wrong. Of course, they're going to fix them. They know once they've identified and they'll be fixing the factory issues and things there. But the customer support, and from what I've heard, the customer support's been great um, and people are getting things fixed. And uh, there's a few people saying they've had four or five actually break in a row. And I'm, I'm saying, look, look, for me, look, I love Wahoo. But three strikes and you're out. Seriously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Seriously. Yeah. Three three strikes and that's for me for anything. I think I got the third flux and that started working. And if my third flux didn't work, I would never touch one again. Yeah. Yep. So I think stick to the three strikes rule. Make sure the customer support people have all the details. And I tell you what, the best thing for customer support these days is your mobile phone. If you can pull out and take a very small video of what you're experiencing, they can diagnose something so fast. But if you were to type out, oh, it's making this clicking noise and try to explain, grab your phone attach the video and away you go that is the one of the best innovations for customer support ever but back to the back to the actual question yep i think it was a good spot to uh, to um express that and uh fingers crossed we're good from here yeah yeah no good point uh well made uh, no i think you're right as well no point soliciting further trouble um and, and excellent point about the, uh, the the video on your phone as well such a powerful tool and particularly if you're trying to start smoking i mean i often found that gets it <laughs> <laughs> I guess the attention to customer service pretty damn quickly, particularly if you kind of, you know, issue a bell threat that your exploding smoking trainer with flames on it might and find its way towards social media. Not that that happens. Send the videos to me. I'll put them up on YouTube. <laughs> yep. send, not, them, send them to me. Not that, <laughs> not that that happens very much. Um, but anyway, yeah. Okay. Uh, well, once watch, keep uh, keep tabs on. Now, Shane, still no smart bike from tax, at least at the time of recording. Uh, I jumped on a couple of sites in the UK to see... Um, when we might get the smart bike, which we were told we were going to get in September. Um, and one of the sites that, that has a kind of record of getting you know new stuff quite quickly is forecasting delivery for March the 1st. Um, handily, just as the indoor training season more or less uh, begins to draw to a close. Um, any insight here on the delays to the tax smart bike, Shane, or is it just, you know, no. the usual? Look, we yeah, look, we've waited two years. What's another few months? I got nothing really more to add to this. We're just sort of, I'm tapping the table, waiting, waiting. But uh, Tax did put out a post the other day on their Instagram, I believe also on their Facebook about the answering this one. I believe it was out to February. The first few production units will be out in February. Right. So that's that's an example of a company responding globally. And most people are like, the tax, the tax what? Huh? You know, yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. most people probably follow them for the pro tour shots or the drink bottles and the, the Neo stuff. But anyhow, they've, they've chosen to, to publish that. Uh, I think it was around February. If anybody wants to follow, I think it's the tax experience or tax, you can search for them pretty easily on, um, 
on Instagram and Twitter and keep up to date with all the uh, the happenings there. I'm keen to see one. Um, but yeah, as I said, it's been a while. We've been told for a long time the smart bike's going to be the next best thing. Um, yeah. Still waiting. And t- I mean, the uh, two and a half grand UK GBP sterling earth pounds. Um, that's a lot of money. That really is a lot of money. I, I can't see them selling many at that price. I have to say, I really can't. But anyway, we will see. Okay, one further thing of note in this whole, well, it's kind of in this area, uh, worth commenting on, I think. GCN has been sold to Discovery, um, making uh, the founders of GCN very, very, very wealthy men indeed. But good luck to them. They uh, they invented something and pioneered it and saw it through and, and made a great success of it. But the giant American corporation which also owns Eurosports, uh, bills itself as the home of cycling, in Europe at least, uh, now owns GCN. Uh, Nathan, do you still watch GCN? It, I, I, to be honest, in my humble, I don't really think it's been the same since um, they made the inexplicable decision to to let Matt Stevens go. It's interesting you mentioned Matt because I do watch GCN, but only in relationship to when I'm doing something with some of the other commentators or talent and I like to watch what they're up to. And then I'll get into some videos about like, just kind of see what Simon's up to lately or now that, you know, we're doing a little bit of work with Matt too. Uh, it's really great to have him on uh, commentary with Swift and stuff, but uh, you know, that's really the only time now at this point, because um, I just don't really get into bike tech too much i just ride the bike that is going to make me fast i have underneath me at the time so that seems like what gcn's mainly for i do watch it during like sometimes in uh looking for race stuff that i wasn't able to watch that's the only other time like and i'll watch it real quickly though i usually don't watch the whole episode i just don't have i just want to pick up on a couple opinions quick and what's happening race you know in a road race i missed uh, I find most of my MTB stuff, obviously, other, other places. But, um, yeah, that's about it for me on GCN. I mean, to me, it just looks like one huge advert these days. Um, and for that reason, I, I, I rarely watch it now. I, I kind of can't really trust what I'm seeing on it because I, I, it's not made clear to me, at least in the UK, you know, who is paying for what. And I, I, I don't like that, I have to say. But, Shane, it does have a lot of eyeballs on it. Um Discovery, uh, I have a little personal experience of working with Discovery. They tend to be very, very hands-on in an editorial way, and certainly they've they've made quite a lot of big changes on screen at Eurosport in their in their bike racing coverage. Do you think we'll see much change? Um, any idea of what what bigger game Discovery are playing here, or have they just bought something that's super successful? Yeah, I think um, I think they've just sort of. Riding the wave of success, um, their subscriber numbers are on YouTube are just doing really, really well. But um, look, GCN are a business. They do business very well. Discovery Channel owned part of them. Now Discovery Channel owns most of them. As for their content, that's also a business. I still reference a lot of it myself, but most of the, the older material and how-tos. And that's the beauty of YouTube. Once you put it up there, it's a great resource to reference years down the track. So I see myself watching most of their older content rather than the new stuff. So as I look back to different technologies and things, but um, as we'll see much change, I don't really know. Um, yeah, we'll just think, wait and see. Let me ask you a question, Chad. Do you mm-hmm. do you think most viewers realise that some of the content is on GCN because the people who are being featured have paid for it to be on GCN? Do you think most people realise that? 
that's now disclosed in the thumbnail. They'll put a little ad in the top corner, also in the description side of things. But the nature of YouTube is that it's just anybody with the camera picking stuff up and talking about what they find interesting, which is pretty much how I operate. Um, so there might be some a lot of people out there who just think it's just a group of guys and they're very sort of, you know, kick back and very it's it's not overly produced. So that sort of um, rawness may trick people into thinking that it's it's true opinion rather than um, advertorial. Um, I'm not quite sure, but I think nowadays a lot of people are media savvy. We know that you know, someone's going to be paying the bills somewhere um, or there's going to be a motive to do something. So I don't know. Myself, I, I sort of I can see through what's going on. Um, even on the sort of the smaller YouTuber side of things, I get emails every single day, multiple emails. Can you, you know, can you sell this? Can you sell this? Can you talk about this? Can you talk about this? And people want to access my viewers, not me. Um, and then I ignore most of those. And then you'll see other YouTubers then spruiking that item. You're like, ah, okay. So that's how that works. So it's interesting just as an observer. Um, but look, GCN, they're, they're super successful. And if they can drive more people to YouTube, get more people on bikes, that's a good thing. Um, so yeah, we'll see what Discovery do with it and see where they take it. Yeah, and I, I, Discovery will do something with it because they, they they tend not to buy things and leave them alone. I don't think. Uh, so yeah, once watched with interest. Okay, let's go racing um, amid much fanfare with significantly over forty thousand viewers. For the first time ever, we saw pros race on Zwift just over a week ago as the Kiss Super League was launched. Um, here's what happened. From a bike shop in central London. The KISS Super League is the first ever eSports league to feature professional cyclists. And a streaming studio in the Midwest. What's up everybody? Nathan Gare here coming at you from Zwift Community Live headquarters. Zwift history was written. And the quads are locking. The orange numbers are popping out on course now as we have the first ever KISS Super League pro racers racing each other out on Zwift. For As Nathan observed, we've come quite a long way. Who would have thought just four, four years ago out on Jarvis Island, we're going to have now a live event like this with 55 racers in total jumping out on course. Nine watts per kilogram kicking off. But was a new chapter in the bigger history? That's a bike racing itself being witnessed by the 40,000 plus people who logged onto the stream. Well, the event certainly captured some attention. You'd expect the cycling press to cover it, and so they did. But more mainstream outlets watched with interest too. Here's what Sam Dean, the business reporter of no less than the LA Times, made of the start. His words are voiced by our very own media colossus, Eric Schlange of the Zwift Insider. The starting pace was punishing, with the pros pumping out a steady 500 watts as they zipped by palm trees at a digitally approximated 60 kilometers per hour. The avatar surged forward to match the force behind each rider's pedal stroke, which is transmitted to Zwift's servers by the web-connected trainers. Joe Lindsay of Outside Online sounded similarly engaged. The on-screen action was dizzying. The busy screen centered on a rapidly shifting array of virtual camera angles of the pack of avatars. 90 kilogram rider absolutely demolishing the Screen margins bejeweled with all manner of stats and telemetry. I found myself fascinated by watching the power and heart rate data of specific riders and ignoring the leaderboard. An incoherent mess of rider names popping up and disappearing in the pack's natural churn. 
Lindsay is right. Following the action, even for us experienced Swifters, is not easy. Nathan really, really needs broadcast tools. And Dean homed in on what will be a persistent and difficult to quash perception that e-racing can never be fair. You watch the dream teams, I think, and, and as well as the, the racing. Much like real life bike racing, Zwift's system is plagued with inconsistencies that make it difficult to trust that the playing field is level. Different power meters and stationary trainers are known for giving more or less accurate readings. Worse, the absence of official weigh-ins means there's no way to know whether a racer is lowballing his or her weight, giving an unfair advantage. All that aside, both pieces were actually very positive. I kept reading the outside online piece waiting for the big but. The but, this isn't real. The miles are fake. It'll never work. Kind of trite dismissal of virtual bike racing as a sport. But it never came. Au contraire, outside online writer Joe Lindsay was much taken with the commentary team of old hand Nathan and relative newcomer Greg Leo. Greg Leo and Nathan Guerra were the race commentators and, to me, the unsung stars of the whole affair. Leo, an assistant professor of economics at Vanderbilt, with a specialty in game theory and a committed Zwift enthusiast, excels at explaining the little tactical nuances of virtual racing. Better, his low-key delivery was a perfect foil for Guerra's, uh, more boisterous style. Sample. Who's going to come out of the woodwork here? Not of pro racing, but the woodwork of Zwift racing. I don't know what that means. I just kept hoping Gara would go full Pepper Brooks. Welcome to Ouchtown. Population, you, bro. Welcome to Ouchtown. I quite like that. Stick it in the commentary locker, Nathan. We're getting into the pointy end of the race here. Here comes now Team Moses now. 17 watts per kilogram almost. Moses the race itself wasn't so very different from the usual Zwift hammer fest, except for the fact that the pros, not all of them, but perhaps the majority, looked a bit wrong-footed and unfamiliar with the nuances of when to go and the draft. Dean of the LA Times, I reckon he's a Zwifter, by the way, put his finger on it. Pro athletes from the highest-ranked teams kept attacking, pulling ahead of the pack with huge bursts of power, only to get spit out the back. Many hadn't ridden in a Zwift race before, or logged into Zwift at all, and seemed unaware of the dynamics of in-game drafting. As in real racing, once they fell behind the peloton, there was no coming back. So off the pace were some of the pro riders that one of the well-beaten Wiggins team rather churlishly suggested that some riders, he obviously meant the community-based teams who pretty much creamed the opposition, should get weighed in. Sour grapes much? I could almost smell the vinegar. Did they take it seriously, the pros? Hard to tell. But one thing is for sure, pro riders won't like getting beaten by what they see as amateurs. And I think we may see a change in attitude as the league progresses. Bibby coming through Canyon Iceberg with Ian Bibby. Ian Bibby looks like it's going to take the first ever Kiss Super League Pro race. Ian Bibby makes it happen. The I'll leave you with the final thoughts of Lindsay at Outside Online, pointing out that the coverage, perhaps inevitably, also differed substantially from IRL bike racing post-match. There were a few pro forma interviews with the Wiggins guys, but no podium ceremony, no sweeping helicopter shots of a finished town, and no interview with the winner, Ian Bibby. Like 50 other racers in the event, he wasn't at the bike shop HQ and had raced remotely on a smart trainer from somewhere with broadband internet. I pictured him in his apartment, toweling off a sweaty face, with perhaps only a house cat to learn how it felt to be the winner of Pro Cycling's first ever virtual race. Right on!
Well, boys, uh, we have been here before, haven't we? Uh, just once or twice, but this was a bit different. So let's have a heated debate. Um, Nathan, firstly, um, I mean, the most obvious thing, certainly from the first race of the series, less so in the second, I think, but the most obvious thing from the first race in the series was the community teams, um, they kicked some pro ass, did they not? Yeah, and this has been a talking point from day one of me getting on Zwift, actually, is that, I mean, there, it came out even stronger, it felt like, once Zwift launched and the connection of the community online and all the numbers started getting exposed. Um, the, how do I say this well? Maybe you just don't. The <laughs> pedestal that people put pros on is really, I'm sorry, it's it, it it's just not that real like i'm it, th there is a very elite elite group okay and that group is the 0.01% that wins tour de france races and stage and stages and then there's a whole peloton that supports them and then there's pro cards that you have at continental pro continental there's all different levels obviously right but they get we we get put on this pedestal and the reality is, is there's a lot of people out there that just don't have the time and have jobs and that now are racing on this platform week in and week out who have a ton of experience. Maybe they don't have quite the numbers, but they knew what to do and they yeah, used yeah. their power right yeah. at the right times. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yep. And so, they're not that different. Know, I mean, I know what you mean there. I mean, you look at Tour de France winners and, well, firstly, they're genetic freaks. And, and secondly, they are superhuman. You know, they are not like you and yep. me they just are not like you and me but i think what you're saying and i think it's an excellent point we'll amplify it with shade is, is that the rest of the not the rest but a, a good portion of the pro peloton certainly at low levels well they are a bit like you and me actually i mean they're not the same they have more time to train they've got more access to expertise a lot of them will be naturally gifted and talented in ways we're not but but they're not that superhuman genetic freak type. So maybe them getting beat by Swift specialists was was not so super surprising. Well, I think that there's some, you know, there's a percentage of the population that we're finding out on Zwift that can race amongst those, that group, that uh, domestic level or, you know, and we might find that 0-1% through Zwift. That's what the Zwift Academy is all about. Right is finding that one that could win the Tour de France maybe one day that doesn't have the opportunity. We're mixing them all up online. It makes a ton of sense to me. It makes and and the people that people are laughing that this would happen from community teams just have way too much idolization and worship of the pro peloton, in my opinion. Yeah, no, that's a very good point. Really excellent point. I mean, the other the other slightly dark aspect of this, Shane, is did they care? Actually, did the pros care? I mean, as I said in, in that piece we just heard, they won't like getting beat by by non-pros, but was this no more, and, I, you know, I'm sorry to say this, I really hope it's not true, but was this no more than a slightly tedious contractual obligation for some of them, not all of them, some of them? Mm. Well, look, after round two today, I think we can confirm Team Cofidis don't really care. <laughs> All four yeah, riders yeah, between 2.8 to 3 watts a kilo average. Now, this is for a pro race. Pathetic. Pro, as in pro. Pathetic. Get paid to compete. Now, aside from those from those guys um, just going out for a coffee shop ride, in like, which is in full view of everyone, yeah. and their data is in full view, look, aside from those guys, the numbers are huge, and the racing is fast, and those who know the game are rising to the top. So it's no surprise 
surprise to me. Guys like Kim Little, who know how to play the game. I've raced against Kim. He's got a massive sprint on him and some good numbers, plus also the smarts of how the game works. He's doing really, really well. But back to the Kofidis guys. Look, in real life, there's time cuts. Maybe it's time for some virtual time cuts. Get those guys out. Get a team in who are going to race and be serious because if there's money on the line and they're getting paid to compete, get some people in there who are going to take it serious and get the clowns out. Well, good point. I mean, if I was a Kofidis DS, I would have been on the phone, you know, with with some rather unbridled opinions being expressed yep. to my riders. Absolutely, because, you'd be thrown because, out. Uh, okay, so you yep. get so you get beat. Well, that's fine. Everybody gets beat. There can only ever be one winner. But but what they, I Didn't mean, even the, try. The, the, what they did was disgraceful. To be honest, it was. You know, I mean, yep. it was a disgrace to the jersey. You know, the team jersey. And uh, even though it is a virtual competition and it's new and not everybody respects it or understands it. Nevertheless, you're wearing your jersey. You're representing your team, and there's an audience out there. So, oh, yeah, if I'd been there, DS, uh, the air would have been uh, blue, blue with uh, some fairly rich uh, invective, I think. Um, Nathan, this is a really difficult question to raise with you um, because you're so closely involved, and I have been closely involved in the past. But I'm going to say it. Uh, actually, I am going to say it. I. We need to raise the game on 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 the stream. I think. Uh, I mean, one thing I you know uh, again, I just said that in that piece. You still don't have any broadcast hills. Still, <laughs> you know, this was a major flagship launch. Um, why couldn't we have had just a slightly different UI where where we didn't have you know a bit of the screen which was 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 completely redundant for this purpose. Um, and, I, you know, I'm asking you the wrong question and you're probably very restricted in what you can say for obvious reasons. But I was disappointed not to see something a little bit special from how Zwift looked and the coverage that the that, that, that you were able to provide with, with some tools. Um, is that me just being a, you know, uh, twisted, cynical, old veteran who's seen it all before? Uh, would the average viewer have looked at that and said, well, I don't know what you're talking about. Look, fine to me. That is a hard question to answer. Um, so I don't know about broadcast tools coming anytime soon. Um, I hope that they do. I'd gladly use them on Zwift Community Live in order to produce. But for the Zwift streams, uh, with all transparency, I show up and talk. That's what I do. Um, with Zwift Community Live streams, I produce everything solo and bring people in and do all of that, right? So I would love broadcast tools for what I do on Zwift Community Live. Um, I don't do any of the production. We Sometimes my feed is brought in. Uh, once in a while from me um, for my uh, talent in uh, using the camera angles that we do have for broadcast tools currently, right, with using the numbers and the keyboard and stuff. Um, but that uh, right now I don't have any hands-on on any of that. So I, I just say that I don't, I don't know. I just uh, show up and work with what's there, and I really enjoy it and get, I'm really excited, maybe too excited for some of those in your home country, actually, specifically, it seems like a lot of times. Um. <laughs> no, no, no. Listen, your note, your notices, your notices were very good. The guy announced that online. Anyways, I'm, I'm, yeah. no, I don't. I I know that I'm. Um, 
not Downton Abbey or Dull. So I, I shouldn't say it that way, but uh, but I have a ton of fun with it. And uh, as far as broadcast tools and all that, I know that they are thinking and talking and wanting to push toward that. And at the same time, show off everything that Zwift can do with racing, which it can. And so there's a tension there, obviously. Um, and uh, I'm excited to be able to use any stuff that comes down the line for community, uh, Zwift Community Live uh, and what I produce over there. But I'm hands-off in that other space. I just uh, show yeah, up and talk. Yeah. Okay. It was a terribly unfair question, actually. But I, I mean, I couldn't not ask it you, but it was awfully, awfully unfair. Uh, and I think you've quite rightly given a, a relatively guarded answer. Shane, but perhaps you'd be less guarded. We should have seen something just a little bit better than we normally see, should we not, for the launch of a flagship race series. Yeah, look, this is going to expose Zwift outside of the bubble. We, we Zwiftcast listeners, I guess, as well, I mean, us three plus people who have been involved in Zwift a long time, we, we know what's going on. We can accept that riders pop in and out. We can, you know, we're used to how it operates. But the eyes are on the show now. There's a lot of brand new eyes looking at this. There's articles being written about this from people who have never seen Zwift before, never heard Nathan before, never seen virtual racing cross the finish line and not really go to the podium because there's no podiums. Um, it needs to be polished. It needs to be practiced. It needs to be absolutely drilled. They needed to have five or six test streams done, run the community league first, get it nailed, then go to the pro league. This is marketing. This is advertising. This is why it exists. It's got to be polished. The Zwift website looks bloody brilliant. It's so good. Go to the Zwift website. Go to the live stream. It needs to look just that good as well. Audio needs to be crisp and across all medium. These tools aren't new. Facebook's been around for a while now, YouTube, Twitch, any streaming service has been around for years. They're available 24 seven to test and to play around with, get it right, get it better. It's, it's going to earn subscribers and get people on board if it's done well. I agree with you, Shane. Basically, I agree with you. I probably shouldn't say any more than that, but I completely agree with you. You know, it's marketing it needs to be good. I mean, where we're coming from is a good place. We want to see it win. We want to see it get so much better because we know how good it is. And I mean, this is why we're on the Zwiftcast. We want to share our passion for it and get more people involved and have a better experience. So, I mean, yeah, my comments are coming from a good place. So interpret them any way you like, but yeah. Yeah, well, well, well mine too. Mine too. I mean, we only, we only you know, we only yeah. do this stuff because we care actually or talk about this stuff in this way because we care. Um, but yeah, anyway, there's, there, you know, I don't think Swift community live would exist unless we care, <laughs> unless I cared like crazy. Yeah. Uh, so the community does, oh my gosh, do they care? Know, they do care about this stuff. They really do. You know, anyway, I mean, you know, there's still some weeks to go with, with the league and, and, uh, the, the women's league, I think launches, um, towards the middle of February. That's going to be interesting to see. Um, Nathan, with, with your race commentators hat on, and now two two races under the belt, do, do you think the pros teams, possibly with the exception <laughs> of confidence, do you think the pro teams are actually going to um, get into this? Actually, now really get into this, and 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 I think that they're, they're skilling up. Their riders are skilling up. We saw a pro win the win the second race in the series. Um, do, do you do you think the league's going to hot up? Yeah, I think there's some learning curve, a huge learning curve that was going on there. The first two races, uh, obviously the experienced 
uh, pro teams have been doing really well. We've seen Madison Genesis obviously up toward the front. Now all of a sudden uh, we saw the uh, Canon DHB as well because both of those – now look, those are teams that have had a relationship with Zwift in the past with other events and obviously knew what they were doing. This week all of a sudden we saw Ed Hopper from Ribble throw down and Ribble all looked like he'd done some homework and now they were involved at the front. I, the ones who got spat out the back immediately, there were like 30 riders immediately gone because the reality is it's a cyclocross start. It's an MTB start. It's a Zwift start. It's eight watts per kilogram from the gun, and those avatars shoot off, and you got to make the lead group. Confidence might have been dropped immediately. Now, I, I don't want to give them a little bit of better of the doubt, and at that point, you're not coming back. Maybe they put in a little bit of effort up front, and then it was like, you guys, we're out. And they're communicating. They're like, what are we even going to do at this point? We'll come back next week. Maybe that's what happened. And they just rolled in uh, and finished the race because they knew it was already done at that point. Because there was 30 riders off the back right from the get-go. I mean, that's an experience issue. That's not a power issue. I mean, with that many. Um, so I think that they're going to take it. I'm looking at Twitter right now. Madison Genesis is posting uh, the results from today. They're posting the um, what I called the boys' gaming room. Like, where do you see – Four, you see usually four boys hit playing Fortnite right now in front of an Xbox, and now we've got four the, four the four boys from Madison Genesis hanging out in front of their Zwift setups in one dark room, hammered away in front of that video game. That's one of the best <laughs> gaming rooms you could possibly see. They're all together, they're racing. It was one of the coolest Twitter posts I've ever seen. Them all together at their training camp racing Zwift. So uh, they're taking it seriously, and the ones that are are winning the race, and they're getting what they should out of that the publicity and the marketing for that team. There's 40,000 people now who know Madison Genesis is out there taking this seriously, which is really cool. You know, and, and now Ribble and and also, you know, Canon DHB up for the front. I think the other teams are going to take notice and go, okay, we got to do some homework. How do we do this? Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, I do think the competition is going to get really good, actually, because apart from anything else, Pride will start to play a part. I, I'm sure it will. You know, these guys are competitive people and they're, they're not um, – with one exception, perhaps they're not going to be content, um, you know, not to not not to be in the game. Okay, uh, one to watch, uh, of course, and I'll be glued to everyone. And uh, just one thing, Nathan, I want to say to you, and I don't require a response to this. All that nonsense on YouTube about your style, ignore that, man. Just completely ignore that. You have got a fantastic style. It's your style. Don't change it. Right on. Okay, well, we're a little late on this, but we need to chip in with our thoughts. $120 million. That's how much Zwift raised in their latest funding round. Um, let's just see if there's any kind of insight we can maybe gain from, from having a bit of a closer look at, at the investors. Uh, so these are people who've paid money to be part of Zwift's uh, story and growth and future. Um, and, and there's been a bit of, if you look really hard, there's been some quite well-informed commentary around. This is all publicly available information. So let's see what we can find out. Is Swift a unicorn yet? Yeah, that's the name given to new companies with a valuation of a billion dollars. Peloton is a unicorn. Swift, probably not. But getting there, if we can place any faith in the reporting of TechCrunch, which is normally pretty authoritative. Swift CEO Eric Min is quoted in an article saying the company is approaching unicorn status. TechCrunch puts the company's valuation at $500 million, 
up significantly from another estimate, which was by PitchBook, of $180 million in 2016. must be said, none of them know the valuation. In fact, almost nobody can know the valuation, but people like to put numbers on these things. This funding round features two new investors. And if you take a look at their portfolios of investments and areas of interest, um, it's clear to me, at least, that esports may be a big part of the future for Zwift. Causeway Media Partners uh, are new investors this time in this funding round. They specialize in sports media and sports technology. Amongst other things they back, they back Formula E, which is a bit like Formula One, but with electric cars. Uh, and there's a gaming offshoot to that. They also back ETN, an action sports channel big on skateboarding. Another new investor, brand new investor, Highland Europe, has already invested in a company called eGym. They make high-end fitness hardware and deploy sports science algorithms and user fitness goals to provide personalized training. Sound familiar? Uh, Zwift is very, very well placed to do that kind of thing with cyclists, you'd have thought. Interestingly, Highland Europe say they typically invest in companies with scale, which they define as over 10 million euros in current annual revenues. So there might be a clue there to how well Zwift is doing. Probably also worth noting is an important investor from an earlier funding round, uh, Novator, uh, back in big vote of confidence in Eric and his team, as is the uh, presence of, of new investors. Okay, so, uh, I mean, what does this all mean to you two? I mean, first off, it's a huge coup f- for Zwift. Much of this negotiation with investors would have taken place well before peak Zwift figures this winter. So, you know, Eric and the fundraising team have obviously got one hell of a good pitch. That is a lot of money to raise. Shane, you've got $120 million in the bank. Would you bet big on eSport or personalised algo-driven training or or maybe something else entirely? Well, unfortunately, uh, Discovery Channel haven't bought a stake in GP Llama, so I don't have $120 million (laughs) in the bank, but I'll I'll pretend I do. Um, Look, I'd be going out there and asking and listening to what people want, um, and then I'd be divvying up according to those figures. A lot of people just want to get on and train, on their trainers. Racing is a part. Cool. Yep. Sure. Um, but you know that's part of the platform promotion and marketing to get more people on, and in a lot of cases, get more people on to train. So, hmm. I mean, it'd be a good problem to have. Unfortunately, one I don't have. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think you're on record as saying that you'd like to see the training functions be richer and more complex oh. and more effective in Swift and given the amount of data they've got about their user base and given the way that kind of AI is going, you know, we all know that that it can't be too long before there is a, a you know, you log on to a service for like Swift, for instance, and there is a fully personalized training plan available to you that's tailored exactly to your requirements. It takes into account your past history. It takes into account your individual physiology. I mean, all this data can now be got and sent and monitored and analysed by, 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 by either clever people or super clever algorithms. I mean, that, surely that, that, that must be something that could be developed by Zwift. They've got the money. I, I imagine Trader Road don't have that kind of resource. Well, it's all about having the data and all these companies now have the data. Trainer Road have millions and millions, I guess, of, of people's you know, 
workout files. And Swift also have That's the data the point, and, and the, the money. money. Yeah. So people just need yeah. to sort of get to, to match those two together. Yeah, matching those two together. And whoever does it right, people are talking about Exert. Exert have this. It looks a little complex though, especially yeah. when people don't even yeah. know how to pronounce the company's name. I think I'm getting that wrong. Um, it needs to be iPhone easy, Strava easy. <clears throat> And Zwift have the ability to do that with their interface and the way they do things and present things to the greater population. So for me, the esports stuff is cool, spending a lot of money on that. But at the end of the day, we're still sitting back watching pros going, we could never achieve that level at all. You know, what are we going to do? Well, mm. the training side of things is for everyone, absolutely 100%. So yeah, I like to spread things out on things. And a lot of the stuff that I talk about on my mm. YouTube channel affects everybody. And everybody can gain from it, not just a small little portion. That's yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, Nathan. You, Anyhow. I don't know. You might think, given your main area of interest, you might think slightly differently. And, and I thought I might know where you would spend some of that cash if you had the keys to the vaults. But um, am I right? I mean, would you go full bore esports, or would you? You know, you've got fifty million bucks to spend tomorrow to make Zwift a better thing. What What, what are you going to do? Uh, start with game. Then I would make a tradition of sport, and then I would go eSport. So I would develop the game in order around ways to... So I know it sounds like super serious, but I've thought a lot about this. Like, yeah, I would go full on eSport, but I would start with where the game needs development in order to make it more sporty, to make then also the tools to go into building a tradition of sport. There's already a cool tradition in the real world of it, but we need to create a tradition of sport. Why do people do what they do? kind of a thing around sport and it's because other people around them are doing it too. You need people around other people locally. It needs to build up from a grassroots a little bit more and then go full on esport with the management of that. And I would, you know, maybe you were talking two to three departments and mop maybe a whole new one. Uh, you know what I mean? That, that uh, manages that. So, uh, but yeah, game first though. Like, and that would help everybody. And I've heard that from John Mayfield that we need to do things. And when I come in and he really cares about what his users think. And as far as that goes, like, are they going to use it? We might disagree on what the users think. I mean, he's probably got the better data than I do, but you know, the idea that game development that would help everybody and do something like Shane said, how is this going to do something for everybody? I would put more gamification in that could then be used by everybody and make it more of an esport, and then develop it as a tradition from the localities out. Uh, and that's what the community is doing and screaming for too. You can see that even in the response to some of the league stuff recently. So um, that's what I would do. And, you know, and then have, yeah. Full, yeah. Well, I mean, go ahead. Yeah. Well, it's a good target, isn't it? Making the game better benefits everybody who, whoever logs on to it. So, so yeah, but I mean, historically we've seen that that's not actually strictly just a money issue i mean that's been about recruitment and and, and the talent base that's available to swift so but but i agree to, to, to make the game better is is an immediate benefit for uh, for everybody who plays um my take well i think it's pretty much nailed on the headcount is going to rise i think there's something over 200 people now work for swift i could i could see that doubling easily in in, in within the next two years or so um, as we've observed already, this this episode platform stability has improved. So maybe disproportionate resources are not going to go into that area. But you know these things obviously take money to to keep stable. Um, we know or think we know, or well, actually I think it's pretty certain that a good portion of that cash is is heading for esports. 
Um, running estimated by TechCrunch to be just 2% of the user base. Um, that might well continue to have some resource chucked at it. Um, triathlon, I think, will have some resource chucked at it. And we think rowing is coming. Um, if I had to guess, uh, you know, a big target for investment, I, I do think it could be the trading side. Um, it, it, it's advanced since launch, but not not really in a life-changing way. And with the advances possible in personalization, I think that is an absolutely fascinating area. And of course, as ever, we will watch with great interest and continue to speculate about things we know very little about. Okay, well, I don't know how widely this has been noticed in the main community, but Swift has quietly been asking community groups to remove Zwift from some of their names. So as an example, a large Australian-based group formerly known as Zwift Fitness is now known as Team ZF, um, and many others have also changed their names at HQ's request. To be frank, I, I'm not surprised about this. In fact, the only thing I am surprised about is it didn't happen ages ago. But a few people in the community have been wondering exactly why this is happen, happening. So I sought a little guidance from HQ, and they told me there were two reasons. Um, firstly, Zwift has to be seen to be showing good faith legally in protecting their trademark uh, and or their brand. So Logic there is if they were ever forced to take action in the courts against someone who in some way infringed against those things in a way they really didn't like, they'd have to demonstrate that they'd been in uh, some way protective of their brand. In other words, they'd not just made it available for anyone to use for any purpose. Makes complete sense to me. Um, And secondly, they want to be super clear about distinguishing between the official voice of Swift, if you like, and and making sure that that's separated from people who attach Swift to their groups or teams or whatever, but aren't actually speaking on behalf or with the authority of the company. Um, Easy for people to get confused about who who really is Swift. You know, if the Swift name is is like, you know, scattergunned everywhere. So so that makes sense to me as well. Nathan, do do you agree with this policy? Yes, I do. You know, there's, um, here's the thing. There's Zwiftcast, there's Zwift Community Live, there's, I mean, there's other, there's places where you create a handshake to say, here's the, you know, some parameters and some things that are going on and some ways that you're closer. And then there's people who just come <laughs> come along and grab the name and start doing all kinds of things in order to ride. And and there's no, it, who are, who's that? And making sure that those people who are using your name are using it in a way that you want to use it. Would I want somebody to go out and use the name Nathan Guerra and like start doing things with it that I didn't want them to do. And then people think Nathan Guerra is this or that it's identity. It's identity theft. I mean, when it comes down to it. And so um, you just got to make sure that people are using your name the way that you want them to, to use it. And so now, not that that's the way that it was going on with all the community groups out there, but if there isn't like, a close relationship with somebody, you don't just give anybody your name. You know what I mean? Like you, you have a close relationship with those that you are uh, letting use your name in a relation, you know, all the way from, you know, family and outward. And when it comes from a personal standpoint, I see it kind of similar when it comes to that, that businesses are, you know, when good businesses are like uh, large families representing a name and putting something in the world. So I think it makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Shane, it's, Got to make the census, hasn't it? I mean, the only surprise to me, as I said just now, is it takes so long. Yeah, look, trademark protection law, I'm not familiar at all with this. Um, no, I, <laughs> no experience. Um, if anyone wants assistance, just give me a call. <laughs> no. 
look, I understand they want to take full control over their branding. Um, it is growing up into a from a startup company into a fully grown company. Um, we're talking multi millions now with big funds and raising, uh, and they want to protect their brand and not just any sort of things spinning up across the side. Um, I know I've been asked to take down T-shirts on Redbubble that have um, Zwift logos or Zwift references and things like that. So they're sort of bringing all that back in-house. This is just what companies do. So, yep, that's part of the part and parcel of it. Yep, yep. Okay, well, I hope if any, you know, if, if that's affected you in any way or you've wondered about that, that's, that's, that's cleared up why that's, uh, why that's happened. A bit tidying up long overdue, I think. Okay, well, um, very long one, uh, this one. Um, because we have had an awful lot of catching up to do. And I've left the absolutely most critically important subject to to the last. Um, I think we need to devote our full attention to this, boys. Um, and I think I want this treated with the complete uh, seriousness that this subject demands. I don't want any sniggering. Um, you know, this needs to be discussed. It was raised in Swift Riders. It's a vitally, vitally important topic. I dress to the left. Shane? <laughs> Well, given given I'm down under, um, <laughs> we have to dress the other way. So it's going to have to be to the right. Nathan, do you dress to the left, <laughs> to the right, or up or down? I, <laughs> you, you all ride your bikes in some sort of weird ways. I don't even know. Oh, my goodness. Um, I, I think anybody who's answering that question just doesn't know how to sit on a bike. It sounds like to me. So, um, but, uh, and you get more power if you go forward, just so everybody knows there's more power. Like that's when people really get going on a climb on a mountain bike, they get up toward the, the, the tip of the seat more. Okay. You don't dress left or right, guys. You're sitting on the bike all wrong. <laughs> I, I should probably try and explain this properly here for those who didn't have the the, 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 the fantastic joy of seeing this excellent post in Swift Riders. Uh, but I'm not sure I can explain it, actually. Shall, shall I just say it's related? Oh, no, we don't need an explanation of that. Okay, Simon. Oh, my well, God. Can I just say it's related to the placement of certain articles within one's bib shorts? Men only. Was there any wind tunnel <laughs> testing done on this? I think we need some wind tunnel data. <laughs> I mean, do you think this? Did he? Did he mean it? This guy. I mean, it seemed. You know. I mean, sometimes you get this kind of disguise, disguise trolling, don't you? You know, people just, just, just doing stuff like this to wind people up and. I don't know, maybe even just give people a laugh. It is it's hard, hard to, to tell these it, days. It it's, it's very hard to tell. To I mean, you know, the language you used, it was it was all terribly well-meaning and stuff. But, <laughs> I mean, would you go on a group of 40,000-odd people and ask that question? God. It's, it's 50,000 plus now. Let me have a look at the numbers. It's grown. It's no, I, bad use of terminology, so I shouldn't say it. 51,441. Oh, is that what it is now? Yeah, well, I, I wouldn't ask 51,000. I mean, he's like, football, he's like standing in the middle of a football stadium in front of a microphone, isn't it? Isn't it? Uh, hey, guys, um, I've just got this little... Um, Left or right? <laughs> this little sensitive issue I'd like to discuss with 50,000 people. Um, however, of course, you know, what we as experienced cyclists sometimes forget and sometimes are quite snotty about, actually, cyclists can be snotty is that not everybody knows everything all the time and some things about cycling are, 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 are mysterious i mean to be initiated into the tribe you know sometimes you may have we gotta to- clear something up simon we have to clear something up it is high from ohio everyone <laughs> that is the only place that exists in mm-hmm, the mm-hmm. 
needed update text space of hi from this place, this place, this place, just so you know, nobody cares. <laughs> <laughs> it's Ohio and will always be Ohio from Jarvis on. Let's go. Uh, Shane, did you, when you started cycling, did you ever have to ask an embarrassing question? You know, did you whisper it in the ear of a club mate or something? No, I went straight to the internet and did my research yeah. sort of in private of the internet first and see what everyone else is doing. There, there are a lot of unknown questions, but I think it also comes down to, um, I mean, your first embarrassing experience sort of taking up cycling seriously. And I think everyone can relate. And that's falling over sideways yep. when you go to the clipless pedals. I still know exactly where it happened. Yep. I know the bush that I fell into and I haven't done it since. Yep. Me too. <laughs> so it's one of those moments. Me too. It happened to me. It happens to everybody. Uh, so don't worry about that. Um, and maybe that would be acceptable to, you know, tell a funny story to 50,000 people about. But this subject, well, hmm, I don't know, maybe not. <laughs> uh, use some chamois cream, dude. That's all I say. Use some chamois cream. Okay, uh, that's, it. that's it. That's it. That's it for this episode 60. Um, it, it, it's been a long time in the coming, but I hope you've enjoyed it. Um, Shane, uh, catch up with you. I wouldn't not really had a proper catch up. What, 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 what? What, what's happening? I mean, as the rest of the world shivers, you're boiling. Um, I assume your attention is not massively diverted towards indoor matters at the moment. Yeah, no, look, new bikes happening. DI2, getting my head around that, doing a few videos on things. I've had a set of crown rollers show up, which I'm keen to get on and do a full Llama lab test of indoors. There's a few things happening here. But the big question that I have is I have chamois cream and sunscreen to put on before I go for a ride. <laughs> I'm confused about which one to put on first. And if I don't wash my hands between, do I contaminate the chamois cream or do I contaminate the sunscreen after putting my hair? <laughs> I, the big questions, the big questions are happening over here. Absolutely. Well, you don't want to mix those up. Um, Nathan, uh, I assume the kind of racing coverage is keeping you out of mischief. Yeah, KISS uh, Super League, obviously, there's a little extra prep around that stuff going on. Uh, there was a lot of extra prep, actually, so it's been a little quieter on Zwift Community Live. But also kind of settling into a schedule then with that with the community racing that's coming and making plans for that. Uh, on top of that, I am maybe racing again this year. Oh, really? Those who are well, for those who are following my Strava, they'll see we're on day fifteen of back to pro racing. Hopefully, so yeah, uh, the hours are upping, and uh, we'll see. Uh, how, you know, I whatever. I'm committed. I posted a picture on my socials of me racing and got a lot of response. Actually, yeah, people were like, that. "You coming I back?" I saw that. I saw that. So. Yeah. So I think, uh, you know, I'm, I'm pretty motivated. I, I don't know. Suddenly I found some motivation from somewhere. So I'm, uh, I mean, awesome. uh, me and the kiddos are going to go do some racing. It looks like all together. It'll be fun. Mm -hmm. Not sure racing's on my calendar this year. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think, um, yeah, well, I'll keep you posted on my, um, fitness. Should we just say, um, it's not what it was. And when I do get on the bike at the moment, it's, uh, it's very, very, very gentle, which is, very, very, very boring. Anyway, never mind. Hey, uh, team, team Covidus, team Covidus might have a jersey for you, Simon. <laughs> okay, well, I'm not. Oh. Okay, that's it. Thank you very they much. Might have a spot open. Thank you, Nathan and Shane. Uh, enjoyable as ever. Hope people have enjoyed listening to us witter on as much as we've enjoyed wittering on. Thank you very much, boys. See you next time. Cheers, Cheers guys. 
And that's that for episode 60. Thanks very much indeed for listening. Just the usual housekeeping with one little addition this week, which is just to repeat my thanks for um, the uh, comments that people left on the Zwiftcast listeners page when I disclosed a little more about my um, inverted commas bad knee. Uh, usual thanks to Zwift for helping us to keep the Zwiftcast on air. As I always do, I point out that uh, Zwift support the Zwiftcast, but in no way influence any of the content. Hope you enjoyed listening. See you next time. I try not to leave it so long. Thanks. Bye.